Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Yo, what's up? Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck. You are the listener. Your name is insert name here. And I want to thank you for listening. Um, because if I was just doing this for myself, it would not be as fulfilling, rewarding, and it would also be slightly weird. But <laughs> I'm just imagining myself like having a home studio, like King of Comedy, Robert De Niro style, like, and then just playing back the tapes for myself, cracking up, like literally listening back to the podcast and no one else hears but me. And just all you hear is, <laughs> oh my God. That would be incredibly creepy and uncomfortable. And that image alone is making me feel emotions and feelings that I I do not welcome. Anyway, welcome back. How was your week last week, right? You had that great three-day weekend. And then you got into work on Tuesday. You were like, what? It's Tuesday already? This is, please, it's going to be a breeze. And then Friday came along. You were like, how did the week go by that quick? Huh. It's already the weekend. I love my life. You enjoyed that weekend, but <laughs> then yesterday you showed up at work and you looked around and you took a deep breath to yourself and you said, oh, fuck. Oh, God, fuck. Five long work days ahead of you, a full week. No more of this three-day weekend tomfoolery. No, no, none of these four-day week hijinks, okay? It's a five-day week of, you know, an eight-hour, nine, maybe ten-hour slog. But you know what? There's something there's something admirable about it, right? Cuz you know you don't want to be there, or maybe you do. Or maybe you love it. And if you do, what's that like? Cuz I, well, ah, no, I like what I do. I'm lucky. I'm just a schmuck with a microphone. You know what I mean? And you're out there, what are you doing? You're crunching numbers, taking meetings, huh? Uh, making reports. Cost reports, Excel sheets, Microsoft Excel, PowerPoint pr- presentations. Yeah. All the designing graphics. Fucking, you know. Um, yeah, that's real work. So I know what it is, but, you know, I, I totally understand the feeling of walking in on a Monday morning and being like, God damn it. How am I going to get through this week? What am I going to have for lunch? It's the only thing I have to look forward to. What are we thinking? Chipotle? Ron, you want to you wanna do Chipotle burrito bowls for lunch or no? What about, su- if we do Subway, I'm getting the cookie today because I don't, I'm just, I'm in a state of fuck it. I, yeah, I'm going to need, I'm going to need something. All right. All right. Let's reconvene. Let's talk in, in 90 minutes and then maybe we'll take a smoke break and then I'll take a 20 minute restroom break and then it'll just be an hour to lunch. And then we'll push that over an hour, you know, an hour to sit and eat and then, a, you know, 20 minute walk back. And then it'll be one, one fifty. And then I'm getting out. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dip out early. 4.30 maybe. Yeah. That's what I'll do. And then, you know, wash and repeat. Am I right? It's cyclical. It's a cycle, but that's all right. Cause you know what? You do that job. Why? Cause you love Netflix. And that job pays for that. And you love unlimited texting and data. And that job pays for that. You know? You're not your khakis. You're not your slacks. You don't work at the Gap. 
You know, you're not defined by your job. You just do it so you have quality of life when you're not at work. And I get that. And that's cool. And that's, that's most of the world. And that's I. And we can all find enlightenment and pleasure and fulfillment in other things. Or you can find it in your work, whatever you want to do. You know what? I'm not the boss of you. What do I know? You know what I mean? What do I know? Not much, which is apparent by my life choices and career trajectory. Uh, nevertheless, what else is going on? Um, Mac Miller died. And uh, I'm sad about that. Uh, and forgive me, because I know if you listen to this pod, I just go on endless rants about celebrities or quasi-famous people sending their thoughts and prayers um, in empty tweets that just are self-serving. So I hope that this doesn't come across that way. But if it does, feel free to write me mean notes about how I'm a, a dirty hypocrite. But I just was a big fan, and I, one of my really close family friends was... Um, was working with Mac on a regular basis and shooting all his music videos and whatnot. And, and he just had the best things to say about him, which was my suspicion all along that he was actually a good cat and incredibly talented. And, uh, and I know that he knew about the pod cause my buddy mentioned it. And so it was like slightly a selfish, um, exciting thing for me in the back of my head, imagining that maybe one day I'd get to chop it up with him for an hour, but that's not important. That's bullshit. What's important is that someone uh, really great who has a family and friends is not here anymore. So just sending love and respect to Mac because I'm a big fan. I love his music and I'm sad to see him go. Anyway, today's pod, the guest, Bob Saget. Come on, guys. We all. If you don't know Bob Saget, what are you doing with your life? You know what I mean? What did you not have a childhood? What did you what did you not watch the house that is full? Huh? Did did you not imagine that you were the fourth sibling amongst Michelle and Stephanie and DJ and that Danny Tanner was your father? And that Stamos was your uncle with Dave Coulier as the hilarious Uncle Joey constantly there to break the tension with a with a with a comical joke? Did you not imagine that? Well, if you didn't, I feel bad for you because I did. And now I'm friends with Bob Saget and I just can't believe it. Um, Bob is one of those guys who knows everyone, who's worked with everyone, who's been um, famous and successful for like 30 plus years and is also an incredibly good dude and was nice enough to sit with me um, and talk for an hour plus. So strap in. Strap up, strap on. You see, <laughs> this is what Bob Saget's done to me. He's made me incredibly blue. Um, get excited for this interview episode conversation with Bob. Here you go. Enjoy. Yeah, I never have anxiety. All right, you guys have fun. I'll be back. Thanks, Kelly. Couple. Uh, We're set for six o'clock dinner. Well, that's the idea. Oh, if you got to send me pictures, would you? I'm not going to interrupt you. No, if you say... Hold on, podcast. Like let pictures. me look at... No, no, no. Let me, no. Yeah, <laughs> let me look at... No, no. The podcasts are not... Um, they want real. Yeah, this is real. If, this I'll, is real. I'll, I'll, everything I do is real. If you that's send true. me a picture... Very in the moment. 
If you send me a picture and say, what do you like better? I don't like the sleeves that are like this. I like them like I don't this. because it's not good for my arms. But you also have to I'll wear, sure I wear this hat you have to have a jacket or a sweater. You might have to buy a jacket there. I know, I know what to do. Uh, sure you do. I've, that's, never, that's, I've never left the house before. No, but that's obvious from your hat. Wow. I love the hat. Fireworks. The hat is now a staple. I'm so glad I've been rolling. I'm going to staple it to your head. Yeah, right. Can I use the rest Please, I'd rather than ruin the cow. Right, have fun. <laughs> love you. Let me just see if this is good. I mean, just answer this guy. Yeah, please. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I'm really sorry. Um, okay. I'm answering Barry Katz. No big deal. Tracy Morgan was on Howard today talking about Barry Katz. Was he? Yeah, he's Did like he Barry. Used <laughs> Did he used to handle him? He's like, Barry groomed me for my SNL audition. He did? Yeah. We should talk about that. Yeah. Uh, says, or maybe not talk about Barry Katz. But Barry Katz is like the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the comedy community. He's the dude. Well, not really. There, no. There's real guys above him. Right. That are really, really good. But you always Everybody see him. Everybody left him. Everybody left him and he had to sue him for money. Oh, really? Yeah, Barry's diabolical. He's like a ghoul. Whitney left him, right? Uh, everybody leaves him. Really? The only people that stayed with him are uh, Jay Moore, and he's not the best person in the world. And um, I'm just sorry. No, no, no. Take your time. How have you been? But great. Better now. What was wrong? No, no. I'm kidding. I'm great. I mean, I've been enjoying. Better now than you were before. No, I'm saying like better now that I'm interviewing you. Like I just, I love this. Who were your first people? Stamos, number one. Uh, Christina Milian, who was on Grandfathered. Yes. Uh, my buddy Harley Mortenstein, who's a really big YouTuber, famous YouTuber. Uh, he does that show Epic Meal Time, where they make the massive meals and 10 million subscribers. Right. Uh, and I got Michael Rappaport coming on. Oh, that'll be interesting. He's full of anger. <laughs> totally full of does anger. Does he live here? I think, yeah, I think he's based in L.A. and New York. He splits, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of just a half and half thing. Now, can you hear anything in the background? Do you hear silverware? Do you want to sort of give the audience a background about what we're dealing with? Uh, well, what's happening here is uh, uh, my friend Josh Peck came over uh, because he's got this amazing podcast. And it's, uh, and what's my name? I've, Robert? Robert. Robert Seget. Robert Seget. Does anyone call you Bobby? Some people, a few people. My mother used to call me Bobby, and I didn't like it because she would wake me up in the morning and go, Bobby, wake up, Bobby. <laughs> Terrifying. So it's like a ghost, and she is one now. So, uh, right. It's yeah, so if I hear circle. that, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, nobody, a couple people do, a couple showbiz people do because they're just so weird that they think right. that that's how you, oh, I know Bobby Redford. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't think he, no one calls him that. I don't, you know, yeah, I don't know. Fiending familiarity, like oh yeah, yeah, like Me I'm best Zags. friends with Bobby De Niro. It's yeah. like uh, I don't think Robert De Niro wants a lot of people to call him that. Bobby D. Yeah, right. Yeah. Bobby D. He would like yeah. or just B D. Yeah, B D. Anyway, but what we're dealing with is I have a, a, a wonderful um, housekeeper who mm. is in the other room. So if anyone hears any clanking or anything, and she's in a bikini and a thong, sure, uh, and a thong. She right. doubles up down below. I think that's nice. Yeah, you got it. You got it. You never know when someone's going to get out of place. Right. You hear something flap. 
Yeah, look, and it's a new day. It's 2018. So you can't even say what I just said, basically, because <laughs> it kind of kind of objectified her, which is even worse. Well, but she is she is lovely, and she's been working with me for 20 years. 20 years. I've wow. been divorced 22 years, and I'm going to get married again now. But uh, this lovely person has been um, keeping my house nice for 20 years. And you know my. In doing this podcast, I realized that famous people or famous friends don't ever want to go anywhere ever. And so I no, said- No, that's true. Right. A couple restaurants. couple restaurants, Soho House, those places. I don't places. go there. I'm not, I'm not a member there. But right. I go, but everybody I know is. So whenever I go, yeah, I just go because, and I like it because there's no pictures. Right. But there's a photo booth so you can party. It's a famous people clubhouse. It's famous people cheers. And then there's one in Mal. But just so in case anybody knows, there is clanking going on in the background. And But I didn't right. have the guts to tell her, <laughs> could you go into another room? I get that. Because that seemed insulting. Of course. To say, we're going to do a podcast in this room. And it's a feng shui house. So the sound travels. But the other room that we would have the doors closed on. Uh, either A, would be upstairs and we would be sleeping together. Sure. Or B, we would be on the way that's en route to the laundry room, so she would have to get through there anyway. So then we'd Tough. be in the middle of the podcast. The doors would open. She'd be there. Right. And it would be... So this is the... I chose the least awkward, uh, I think, way to do this, but I just heard a cup clank. Things are happening. I so think it's a life. It's a life it. in progress. This was how I realized that I would get people to be on the podcast would be. She, I think I think she heard me. She heard and she is now leaving uh, this area. She picked up on it. She did. That's what 20 there years is, will get you. So this is she no She can clanking. read you, Bob. She yeah. knows you. Yeah, she knows. It's beautiful. Me. So now we're in the den and we're just having a conversation. Um. So can we talk about Gary Shandling? Because sure. I... And I want to get all into you, but it's so fresh on my mind because I just watched the doc and I know how close you were with him and I'm I'm fascinated. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. It was a very, very hard, um, personally, one of the albatrosses of my life, um, mm. uh, which is when a fish is wrapped around your neck, I <laughs> right. believe. I think that's what it's supposed to be. It's a giant fish that weighs you down. And al- but isn't an albatross a bird? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Could the key be. to me is I have no knowledge of anything. Perfect. Well, well. The animal kingdom, I'm not familiar. Right. Um, yeah, an albatross is a bird. I always thought it was a fish. <laughs> you know those yeah, the, tuna birds? You order that at Nobu. I'll have the albatross uh, Just the belly. Right, albatross yeah. belly. Albatross belly. When I moved to at Los Angeles when I was 22 years old, the first person I became friends with through the comedy store was Gary Shandling. And we stayed friends, very close friends, for 15 years or so. Uh, maybe more. I can't remember. Because I'm 61 now, so it might be 20 years. I don't know. But we were very close. I understood him very well. He understood me very well. Right. Um, he even had a bit in his act, where, how to pick up girls. And he had a character where he played a nerdy guy. Uh, he lifted his pants up you know, way up to his nipples mm-hmm. and would go, how don't you pick up girls? And I was the voice on the tape. When you meet a girl and you like her, what you do is, and then he would do this three minute bit. And, um, we just hit it off. We laughed at the same six sense of humor. Right. He had lost a brother. I had lost a sister. Right. Um, he knew both of my sisters and he knew when both of them passed away. And so, 
I even do this scleroderma research foundation benefit for 25 years now. And Gary performed at one of the early ones. So our closeness was for a long time. Did you guys talk about that? Because it seems as though from the documentary, they say that he really wasn't super open about that side of his life. He he and I talked about it. Right. That's what's interesting is I had a closeness with him that I think he closed up even more, except to a few people that you can see in the documentary that Judge made Judd made so eloquently. He made a beautiful Incredible. He made an incredible Beyond. documentary. Yeah. Um and I was very hesitant and yet I wanted to do it. Um when I did the first interview, my other best friend i don't know if a 61 year old guy goes best friend it sounds like something you say when you're 25 it's refreshing it is but um gary was for a long time and then i had met brad gray and i introduced gary to brad when i was 23 right and gary signed with brad and harvey weinstein was also a rock promoter in buffalo and brad worked for harvey At 20 years old, he would run prints of the Rocky Horror Picture Show to the movie theater in Buffalo in the snow. What's in the water in Buffalo? I mean, who makes these moguls? He he was a Long Island kid, and he ended up uh, going to uh, University of Buffalo and uh, started working for rock promoters. And it was Harvey and Corky. They were rock promoters. So they signed me. I was on a Comedy Store college tour. And then I came back to L.A., and Gary had been courted by some people of the the Rollins and Jaffe team had um and they were Woody Allen's manager and right. they became uh, and Buddy Mora and uh David Steinberg and Larry Bresner these the are these are wonderful people right. and um they were guys that I had courted with before right before I met Brad and then Brad and Harvey said we want to manage you and I said okay I was in Buffalo. I suppose I'll allow it. I just said okay, and I was a room. I was in a room as big as this sofa, right? And, and then I introduced uh, when Brad was out visiting, staying on my couch. Uh, and Brad later became the chairman of Paramount, but way before that, he was a manager. He right. was started Brilsey the old Gray. school of, and, and he was Brad Gray management uh, right. for a while. And and Gary uh, of the clients Brad had, he had Dana Carvey, Dennis Miller. Um, a director, Michael Lehman, who did Heather's, uh, myself. Not a bad roster. Very good roster for a really young guy, right. for a 23-year-old guy. And then one day he met Bernie Brillstein, the legend of management, who was also another big legend with Ken Cragen and Jerry Weintraub. They were management three. Sure. Uh, so this is a long time ago, but Bernie was one of the best and funniest people that I'll ever know in my life. Um, and so Brad went up to Bernie and said, you need me. I've got young blood for you. And and Bernie had, of course, uh, his first client was Norm Crosby. His second client was Jim Henson. And uh, and then he, of course, worked with Lorne Michaels and John Belushi and Aykroyd and all the people from SNL. And that whole first year had a lot of Bernie all over it. And, and that, all, the whole series, I mean. And do you think that people like Brad Gray and these, you know, magnets, these people that attained so much success and power is it their ability in which to recognize talent and to attach themselves immediately without any reservation yes and that was the um thing that eventually was the demise of gary and brad um which broke my heart and i right. was in very the public of it. Lawsuit. it was very very public and it was 20 years later so right. we're talking about 
uh, I was 42, so it was tw- literally 20 years later. I had just been served with my divorce papers, and Always I also nice had in my car. With. I also had understanding of the lawsuit that Gary had against Brad, and I wanted to stay out of it. And I kind of made a joke in the press, which I think must have hurt Gary. Um, like I was going to sue Brad too. I had my eye on one of his cars. And I think that that was something that drove a wedge between us that I even made a joke or a comment about it. Sure. But I loved Brad and Brad died last year, um, of cancer. And I went back for the documentary and filmed more after Brad died. And Judd had to consider, do I make this pre or post Brad Gray's death and at the end they did say Brad had passed away last year of cancer or or I don't know if they said the cause Um, and Gary died two years ago. And do you think that what stuck with me so much was Judd early on in the docs is something to the effect of Gary asked him you know when people ask how's Gary what do you say? And Judd said I say that Gary vacillates between being the happiest guy I know and the most miserable and Gary took a second and said that's about right. And I think you could say that, though, about any comedian. Yes. Right? Every comedian, if you wanted to uh, do a um, cookie-cutter uh, diagnosis, you could say bipolar. You don't sk- right. say schizophrenic normally. Um, but there is a, as... there's a there's a high ups and a high downs. Why? Um, well, so you've got, you're a talented man. You've got the same thing. You can't tell bit. me you're happy all the time. Oh, please. Far from it. And, and I'm here interviewing you. I mean, I'm, I'm searching. Yeah, that's depressing. I'm searching. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to bum you out. <laughs> but, but I've been through a lot and, um, I've lost two sisters. One of them had scleroderma, hardening of the skin. And the other one had, uh, a brain aneurysm, but she had a lot of mental health issues. And right. so... It's no stranger to me to see people just try to get through life. And mental health is something that affects literally every person that has a need to get in front of people for not just the reason of I'm going to make money. You know, rather than be an accountant, I'm going to be a comedian. And in the early 80s, there were a thousand extra comedians that didn't need to be because they just could have worked in a bank or maybe tried a business. But instead, they just said, hey, wait a minute, I can make a few grand a week doing you know, traveling around the country and I'm going to be a comedian and they would learn the tricks. Maybe they'd, you know, get a sledgehammer and break a watermelon. And, <laughs> right. And, you know, but that was what they did. They entertained people, but in their heart, did they want to entertain people? No. Uh, what I learned from Gary early on, what I learned from the greats that I got to be around, whether it be Richard Pryor or Rodney Dangerfield or the people that took me in and under their wing and said, hey, let's hang out. You know, I was at the comedy store at 22 and Billy Crystal sat next to me. He said, I just saw your set. You're very funny. Right. And then I said, wow, that I don't know what to say. I said, you, you must be so happy. I mean, you're on soap. You're doing this great sitcom. And he said, no, I don't enjoy it. I, I'm trapped uh, playing this character. Mm. And then, of course, 10 years later, I wind up on Full House. Uh, playing the guy who's the Richie Cunningham of the show, not the funny guy. Golden handcuffs to a yeah, certain extent, It, it right? is, it is. Yeah. And, and when the tree opens up, you don't say no to it. You are you can. I mean, there are people that were too hip for the room that that followed their morals, and I don't blame them. Now, I'm more like that. Now, I get offered stuff, and I go, no, no thanks. I'm not a dad of four kids. Right. We're not, I've done it. We, we know. I, and yet, 
I've played a father in a couple of sitcoms that maybe had a season out of them. Right. But uh, what am I, not going to have kids? You know, it's not the entourage character. I don't think in this day and age you want to see a 60-year-old guy hitting on a 25-year-old woman um, because that's what's wrong with the world right now. <laughs> right. And so it's right in everybody's face. But um, I do go all over the place. I don't mean... I uh, like it. I don't mean the way I do the podcast. I mean, I'm going to urinate all over the place. I. It's going to be... You, you might want to wear goggles. I'd feel honored. Yeah. I I'm going to get you the Gallagher raincoat. I knew what I was signing up for walking into your, your, your abode. That's why when I said, can I do it at your place? You said, no, let's do it at your place. Because yes. you really didn't want to get your furniture ruined. Well, it's all right. It's fiber sealed. It's Wayfair, so it was reasonably priced. Wayfair and, is fantastic. Isn't it great? It's, I've never... I bought something on there. But sure. once you have Amazon... It says Wayfair is a, you can get their stuff through Amazon. All right, guys, we just got a quick ad for y'all, but then we're going to get right back to the conversation. Uncle Josh promises. Anyway, did you know that Amazon Alexa comes with a wide variety of skills? They're just like apps, but you don't have to download or install them. Use the skills to play a game, relax with sleep sounds, listen to live sports, and so much more. You can browse them all by visiting the Amazon Alexa app. Just click on the Skills and Games tab or go to Amazon.com skills. You can find some of the best ones by asking Alexa, Alexa, what are your popular skills on any Alexa-enabled device? Here are a few skills you should try. Would you rather for family? I love playing games with my buddy, David Dobrik, heard of him, and this skill asks you to make a choice between two situations. Just say, Alexa, play Would You Rather. Life hacks. New life hacks are added each week, and they're also super useful. Did you know Doritos can be used as fire kindling? They can. Say Alexa, open life hacks, and find out more interesting tricks. And Doritos feel like fire kindling in my stomach sometimes. Anyway, try an Alexa skill today. Just say, Alexa, what are your popular skills to find some of the best skills? Okay, let's get back to the pod. Who are you? We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The people who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make the show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to listenerq, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com slash curious and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Yeah. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash curious. That's ListenerQ.com slash curious. It's so funny because, and I hope I'm not giving this away and I'm happy to edit it out, but walking up to your house, there was an Amazon Prime haul like I've never seen. You've got about eight boxes outside your door. toilet paper. I know. I I order water and toilet paper from Amazon because I don't go to the market with two carts full of water water and toilet paper. And I get enough because, you know, I don't want to have to continue to go get it. Right. And I don't like to go shopping. I don't blame you. And water you. and toilet paper, you can make paper mache. So I could, people think I'm using it for toilet purposes mm. or for a beverage. Sure. But I'm making giant replica statues of myself that I put in the yard. That's nice. Until it rains. Right. And, and then, then they dissipate. Yeah. And I think it's biodegradable. And then I wipe myself with them. That's so lovely of you. And it's wet. So it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's multi purpose. My fiduciary duty. 
The other thing is Amazon Prime is where my special is at. That's the only plug I'm going to do. Tell me more. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, and it's it's doing really well. It's called Zero to Sixty. Right. And I shot it at the Williamsburg Hall of Music in Brooklyn. Mm. And the joke is that I can't do on talk shows because they think it's too dirty uh, to sell it, is that with two clicks, you can buy my special and the lotion to watch it with, inferring mm. that you'd be a, you'd get excited. Sure. And so... Uh, it it's also just came out on a vinyl. It's out on LP. Great. Because I thought that'd be cool. And so I, I haven't... I can give you one. I can give it one when you leave. Please. But I'd rather you watch it. Can it's you buy me a record player as well so I can oh, actually... Oh, you don't have it. Well, no, I do actually. I have actually a record have a player. Turntable? Sure. Well, then I'll give it to you. And um, so it's out on every medium. It's on microfiche. It came out on the suppository. Mini I, I offended people. I took a picture of the of the poster of it and I put it on an actual picture of a suppository mm. exterior of a suppository sure you know the packaging right and I said on Instagram that it's come out in suppository form and some people just don't like in your butt humor well then they uh, why are they following you in the first place right that's yeah what they I, should know what they how, signed up for and the truth is that's how Shanley and I became friends <laughs> right uh, he would say things how blue do you go on this thing you feel free to go wherever you want to go and then you'll I'm figure it out yeah uh, Shanley, uh, he would, he would, he would say things like, well, he had a joke that was very famous. He thinks his dog is sick cause his penis tastes bitter. Mm. And so, so Shanley and I were friends with Dave Coulier. Um, and I met Dave 10 years before I did Full House. Right. And Uncle so Dave, Joey, in case anyone Uncle, doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, Uncle Joey from Full House. <laughs> But Dave stayed on my couch for three weeks, and Gary would call, and I lived in a single apartment, or actually became a one-bedroom in Palms, which was lovely, and I moved. Now an upcoming area near Los Angeles International Airport. Yes, it's en route, but the thing about it is I moved because there was a shotgun in the pool one morning, and I realized that there was a murderer somewhere in the building. Sawed off or or full-size I don't know. I didn't dive down, but I just saw it. I did see it. Right. Um, but, um, gauge. Dave and Gary and I would have three-way conference calling, uh, just picking up an extra extension because <laughs> right. there was I'm no like... conference calling. There was nothing back then. We didn't have food or pants. Sure. But we went to Big Bear and we took, uh, very lascivious pictures that were, uh, not, not lascivious. We were dressed, but they were, I don't know. We were mocking deliverance. I don't know what we were doing. Sure. But that's the kind of stuff we did, and we were all struggling, and Gary was going up and doing spots, and I was going up and doing spots, and we were uh, close. And then when the lawsuit uh, happened, which I hate talking about, but, but it's you in keep the bringing up, huh? <laughs> but you keep bringing up, keep bringing up. <laughs> uh, well, I thought it went away, but um, that was the separation. That was the thing that he felt betrayed and i felt in the middle and still do and would like to i would love to set the wayback machine and somehow fix it the way to fix it is to sit and talk about it and see if you can talk about it but do you think that and obviously you guys had a long standing relationship so it was it was different but in my experience no one can have a a resentment quicker than a comedian towards another comedian no one can have you know, it's I, I snap judgments about someone else quite like a comedian can, especially amongst the community. 
Do you find and that? Gar- yes, but Gary was different than other comedians. Gary did have a metaphysical approach from the very beginning. Right. Um, he really did. And, um, you know, Sarah Silverman said it really well, which was he was, it's not that Gary was Zen, he was in desperate need of Zen. Um, he needed something to, and you look at all the journals, all the notes. I had journals and notes. I, I actually had them typed up on my computer. So I've got books, phone books, of all the jokes I've ever said or all the ideas I ever had. It was much more like my mother's anal retentive, weird secretarial skills. I was right. a stenographer for my own work. And yet my work was like, people didn't think I wrote any of it. They just thought I was just riffing. But no, it was all written out, stream of consciousness, weird crap. And what I think Gary and I respected about each other in the early days was we were trying to have an original voice. And and um, and I had people respect me and try to help me. And Gary had, as you saw in the documentary, George Carlin said, you're, you're good. You should do this. You know, right. um, what do you think? And I, I will. I do want to end the closure on the Gary thing in that. Uh, I, I will always love him. Um, I will always miss many things about him. I will say that there were he he, he wasn't always the sweetest person uh, to me. Sure. If you watch the doc and you see how he treats Ricky Gervais when he comes into the place, um, unbeknownst to Gary, yes, your house being invaded, but I will share a story that no one has this story, and this is a true story. Oh boy, let me I check was, the uh, okay, I was go. I was married. We we had no wedge between us. Nothing had come up. His career, there, it's Gary Shandling's show had not come on the air. Right. Uh, Brad was doing really well with Gary, um, and and Gary was doing well, really well with Brad. It was a. Um, I was married to my ex-wife, Sherry, and we were invited to Gary's. So we've been divorced 22 years. So this is is a long time ago. So this Mm. is, say, 25, 26 years ago. And we were invited to Gary's house. And more than that, it was before it was on television. I was right before I did a Richard Pryor. That must have been 25. Right. So we're talking a billion years ago, Mm. light years. Uh, And... Gary had just started to do well on the road, opening for all these people. So Donna Summer was there. Tom Petty was there. People were at his house sure. in Tarzana. And it was Halloween. And he had a Halloween party and told me it was costume. And when my ex-wife and I got there, we were the only people in costume. That's awesome. Now, that's not awesome. That's a really humiliating thing. <laughs> was it? It was hurtful. What was the costume first? Well, the costume is a winner. Because we were dressed as Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Okay. Who were persecuted Jews for giving away the plans of the bomb. Right. So we were in suits, handcuffed together, holding plans. All right. Everybody laughed, said, who are you? But everybody laughed at us. It was not a with us laugh. Really? Yes, really. It was a way of, and there was no apology. It was like, we're just going to make fun of Bob. And did you ever... I told him it hurt my feelings very much, and Ooh. I didn't want to be there. And then I actually, after that, I was hurt for uh, a little while. What was his response to that? Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I I think he apologized, but it was it was not. He was happier that he got a big laugh, right, at my expense. Um, and I just wish he'd done it to someone else. 
<laughs> right. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, it's a pretty good joke. I mean, I would never. I don't like practical jokes. I hate them. Like, I kind of hate I, them too. I hate them when right. I would watch the video show and they would try to put some in there. You know, pull the wallet with the string like on candid camera. Right. I just hate that junk. I hate it. I hate April Fools. I hate all of it. Yeah. If someone's funny, it's funny. A tricking tricking somebody is just like why don't you become a magician and leave me alone? Well, isn't that the great sort of um commitment or what any great comedian is doing right is controlling the laugh and the conversation and and that's by connection right and that's by what jerry seinfeld will tell you is it's not a monologue it's a discourse now he's someone that if someone yells something out he's the first person whose philosophy is i work alone but he knows he doesn't he's he's one of the best stand-ups that will ever live in the history of comedy. When I watch Jerry, he's a craftsman, but he's also just damn funny and so smart. And so, like, I just went and we did a thing, I guess it was last year, at Madison Square Garden for a lot of children's charities. Mm. And they had a lot of friends and performers, and I performed, and John Oliver, and Chris Rock, and Jerry. And Jerry wasn't on the bill, and he did like 20 minutes of stuff, and it was four minutes about postage stamps. Mm -hmm. And I just went, just spoon-feed me that stuff. It was eloquent. It was... It was the art of being hilarious. And and, right. and to be able to be, it's not just craftsmen. It's like when people go, oh, he does good crowd work or she does good crowd work. It's like, what? It's not, it's not crowd work. Don't, don't, you know, you're talking to the audience. You're involving the audience. If you're good at it, you're, you're doing it because you enjoy it. Or you just saw Rickles so much, you figured that's the answer. Well, it seems as though Jerry is, is operating on a different, wavelength than many of us which is why he's able to pick up on things that perhaps go by us and it seems as though people it's the minutiae that is everything but and he's also unaffected in my opinion by emo- like the emotion by emotion, <laughs> by emotion right <laughs> yeah and and i find that like you see that in guys like steve jobs or elon musk or those kind of like those greats of their industry that they they have this blinders type approach to the thing in which they do and they're unaffected by people's feelings and that's and- a very strong quality to have <laughs> i and, agree and it's an admirable quality it does take the humanness out for some people right but what Jerry does that, and there's other comedians that do it. I mean, Brian Regan, there, Jim Gaffigan can take simple things. He can, you know, he can do an hour about food right. that you relate to everything. And there's comedians. I could listen to Lewis Black talk about airplane travel. You know, sometimes <laughs> right. I just flew in, and it's like I'm out. You know, but not if it's somebody good. Right. You know, who does? You know, Jerry's got enough airplane jokes that that could be. You know, you could play them for three specials on an airplane. Um, I did want to just put a, a little rounding on the Shandling thing just because I have no choice because you started by opening with it. Right. I, I, I teetered in and out of it. Um, I love Brad Gray very much. Um, his children are my kids. Right. He passed away. His daughter is like my goddaughter. Um, and that was what came out in the documentary. But I'm very close with those kids. And Brad was very close with my family. And so I heard both sides of the argument. I wanted to hear more sides of Gary's side, but Gary wouldn't let me in. Um, And I understand it because once Gary's betrayed, he 
did, and you could go psychologically, well, he lost his brother. No one told him his brother was dead, which is the worst thing a parent can do. Sure. Uh, they told him eventually, but all of a sudden he's just gone one day. Is it the so worst? So that is psychologically it... is how everybody always goes, well, this this hurt from Brad, from me, from other friends, from writers that you know went and worked on other shows for not all the reasons people think you know some people wanted to work with gary some people have had enough with it uh people run their course with with a talent they can take so much especially if it's someone as passionate and perfectionist as gary was about his work he wanted because he had a combination of being a great writer and 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 really in the zone on the shows he did especially larry sanders there was a thing of excellence that surpassed everything else um for him but it would have been nice to have been able to do what i wanted to do which was go sit and talk with him and somehow find a resolution but i know that it was impossible except near the end near the last few years we were inching toward being able to uh we we had a closeness when i would see him every year uh, there were tears in both of our eyes when we saw each other. Yeah, I knew he loved me, and we had. And I, and I said, "He said, what What do you want, Bob?" And I said, "I love you, Gary. There's nothing I can do about it. I love you." He said, "I understand that." And his eyes would well with tears. And yet we were both alive, living ten minutes from each other, right. and I wasn't going to see him. And what? People always go, here's the psychology of Gary Shandling. Well, here's the psychology of Brad Gray. Here's something I also never tell anybody and probably will never tell anyone, um, but except all your listeners. Thank you. Um, Brad's dad, um, like Gary's brother, was the thing. Everybody has something. We all have our sad story. Or or something that shapes you into why you're the way you are. Why Mm. did Brad want to rule the world? Why did Brad want to be the head of the... Management. He idolized Jack Rollins. Uh, Jack Rollins came to see me when I was 21 years old to catch a rising star in New York because Brad brought him, and Brad was 20, and he brought Jack Rollins, who handled Woody Allen. You know, right. so it's like, here's the guy. Here's the guy that's the best manager, a, a role model for every other manager that followed, and Charles Joffe. He didn't come, so I'll never forgive him because he's passed on. Yeah, it's um, better not to. And that's all I want to say about it, except all I can say is I loved Gary. I always will. And I think that I comes across. I loved Brad very, very much. I was incredibly close with him. I knew he was sick for six years. Um, I was hanging out in hospitals with him, and um, he is one of the best friends a person can have. You- and what I'm sad about is that at this time, at this time when they're both gone, that they weren't alive that they weren't still friends, that they hadn't ironed it out, that they hadn't sat in a room, and rather than feel betrayed, they get through it because Brad loved Gary too, but Brad was also sued for $100 million, and then a bunch of legal desperate measures were taken. Um, and then all this bullshit that ruins friendships all over the world, all over the world. And you hear about brothers that do not talk to each other anymore, right? And because this, they were in business together. Yeah, I mean it's Shakespearean. It is Machiavellian. It's the whole deal. But do you think that? And I'm just interested in and in, to sort of depart from the Brad and Gary of it all. But yeah, I as, would like to. I don't know what you. St- 
But I think I wanted to talk about it. I think, I think that's he, what happened. I'm here for you, but yeah, just as a reflection on humanity. But this is going to say it in the title. Bob talks a lot about Gary. No, I mean, I'll, I'll basically lead It'll with whatever will get me the most listeners. It's all clickbait now. But <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> do you think like I find, and you know, at my, my age of 31 now and the small amount of life that I, I'm Poor trying child. to live. Is that, You're such a pauper. What? You were a Nickelodeon at what age? Four? Ten. Oh, my grandmother. I mean, you know, and not, and I won't What was go, the name of the show? Drake and Josh. Oh, and God, yes. By the way, a similar... You know, contentious relationship. Who are your big competitors? You can't do that on television? That. You can't do that on television. Uh, you know, uh, full house reruns. Uh. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll never go away. Oh, what's up, y'all? You know, we just got another ad for the for the for the podcast. We'll get right back to the conversation, I promise you. Anyway, getting back in the fall has me craving routine and healthy cooking. Most nights, however, there's just no time to cook and it's tempting to get takeout or eat something that's not so good for me and just sort of go and talk to the weird kid at the at the restaurant who's never going to get my order right and going to give me weird eye contact and then just, you know, insist that I tip him 20%. But I'm like, I don't understand because this is takeout and that doesn't feel fair. Anyway, I can use that time to prepare my own delicious, healthy meal with the new quick and easy meal plan from Sunbasket. Sunbasket's meal kits always make it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. Now getting a meal on the table is even faster and more foolproof with their new quick and easy meal plan and super speedy recipes. Go to sunbasket.com slash curious today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash curious to get $35 off your order today. sunbasket.com slash curious. Look, it's, it makes me fascinated about the full house of it all because I feel as though with Drake and Josh, I have it to a very small extent. But, And I don't even know if you can honestly answer this, but Stamos sort of intimated this slightly, and I so identify with this feeling. It's like, I am so grateful for the show, and I'm so grateful that people allowed us into their homes and that it kids grew up with the show. And yet, when you make such a uh sort of you make something that affects people and sort of part of the lexicon at such a young age like ACU you did is that forever right and is there a part of you that kind of says like god i just at times wish it was something a little sexier no, you or just watch dope. my specials and then everything's fine right you or even watch it out work that i've done but it's, right. that's not just you know in the beginning i was stomping my feet up and down going i'm not danny tanner sure but there was something I thought I was when I watch it now. I haven't been able to watch it for so many years. My daughter called me. My youngest daughter is twenty five. Called me today and said I was watching a Full House episode. I never watch it. She never watched it. Sure. I almost forbid her to watch it back <laughs> in the day. Right. And she said it was really weird. I said it was like I had another life going on, isn't it? She said right. yes, because it wasn't me, but there was part of me in it. But. It was giving love to other children that were not my children. So for my children, I used to go on Letterman and say, you know, my daughter smelled one of the other babies on me and thinks I'm cheating on her. You right. Know? And it became a cultural phenomenon, bigger than any of them, bigger than Brady, bigger than Happy Days. 
because it's lasted so long because the world wasn't like this. We didn't have, forget syndication, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have, you know, abilities that I think Hulu and Hallmark are running the Full House episodes. Wow. Whereas Fuller House is still uh, Netflix, you know, so it's... It's, it's a everywhere. Di- it's Well, it'll never go bye-bye unless the planet's gone, but I think people from other planets will enjoy it. Right. Right, because I think... It's Michelle. It's the one person that's not on Fuller House. <laughs> right. Well, that, that is the secret to that show. That she's actually an alien. Well, she she was. Well, they're they're beyond brilliant. Both Ashley and Mary Kate, which is but, why they're not there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course they and made I, the right and I love them tremendously, and and you know, it, who knows? You never know. Maybe one day one of them will show up on the set. I don't know, but well, that's not guys... what this is about. This is about entertaining people. It's about what you did as a kid on that show made people happy. Right. And that is where we as human beings that went and signed up to do it. But when you're, you know, when you're 10 years old and you're starring in a show, you don't really go, this is what I want to do with my life. You don't know what you're doing. You were kind of sold to pleasure Island in a way. Well, you said, mom, dad, I want to, I want to do this. I was fat. And so I couldn't be the, the sad fat guy. So at ten years old, I quickly understood that like comedy. I wouldn't call you fat. I uh, would say I would morbidly obese is more appropriate. You can throw all the Yiddish that you wanted it. Being a hundred pounds overweight, it's fat. Oh, I was fat. Did but you get out of breath when you ran? Yes, I, I I tried just not to. It was more getting out of breath when I walked that scared me. Wow. Or in the shower. Did you eat a lot of pork belly? <laughs> I didn't eat much, but I, I pretty much everything else. I was more of like a large Domino's pizza to myself with a side of bright sticks and the lower row of whatever vending machine was closest. So that sounds fun. It's great. Sometimes it's great I wish. that first six months. I miss that. Yeah. But do I, you ever do it? I Do I ever? Yeah. I mean, I can't. My body won't allow for it anymore, but I've definitely. Yeah. Once a week, I'll go in hard body karate and treat myself to some sick sushi dinner and excess. Well, sushi is not the same thing. I mean, that it's not bad. That with flippers. But I'm I'm talking about I'm not talking about high class, you know, famous people sushi. I'm talking like a deep fried spicy tuna roll and eleven pounds of tempura batter. Oh. And three pounds of teriyaki. Oh, sauce. so you'll really eat eat. You, I binge. I binge sometimes. Do like, you? What's well, your go-to like binge? Shows on a, like I did four shows this weekend in Denver. Right. So that's, you know, you're, you get tired. So you're, you're, it's late and you're, at night. You're alone, right? How do you get it? Well, actually, I brought my fiance Kelly with me. And okay. I'm with my buddy Mike Young. We tour together. And I'm still doing tour dates because I, since this whole election, since all this, it just made me want to make people laugh more. Right. And I'm trying to write new stuff so I can do a new hour special. But, but election or not, you are never going to be able to stop, right? But I'm not going to be 80 years old walking out on a stage doing an hour. You I'll don't be, think so? No, like I like directing. I, I, I enjoy that. Sure. Oh, but there's another thing. I'm directing a documentary about Martin Mull. After we leave here, I'm going to go over and meet with Martin, who's this amazing comedian and you probably know him from sabrina the teenage witch and other shows that he did but he's an artist the main thing he is is an artist a painter he's been a painter since he was four and then he would tour he was on a norman lear show called firmwood tonight he was on mary hartman mary hartman he's this brilliant comedian a good friend of steve martin's and Mm. and i actually would not be doing comedy music had I not heard Martin Mull do comedy music. I still want to hear what you're binging on when you're in Denver in your hotel room. Okay, and you so just what happened was 
We would do the show. I'd stay at the Four Seasons in Denver. Oh, fancy! I, I, well, I'm you know I'm a five star bitch. Good you know? for you. I don't I don't fly private. That's the one thing I'm not splurging on. I love but a I will good go hotel. And I will you know I first it out, but still first class is not what it used to be. They still give you sometimes. Hey, here's a box with nothing in it. You know, <laughs> sure. You know, try to pull a handkerchief out. I can't wait for like, people listening to this who are, you know, in the back of the plane. You're like, these fucks. I always actually always class. say I've never been to coach, but I hear it's crazy back there. <laughs> it, but, it the, is. but it's like instead of hummus, you open it up, it's just boogers. You know, it's not good. It's like the pilot just put them in there. So you're in Denver. And you're so at the Four I'm, Seasons. I'm there. The shows are over. We, we, we see a couple thousand people over the weekend. I'm doing some clubs now because clubs is where you can get material done. You can't go and do Before that, I was only, do, only doing a theater tour. And I go on theater tours for a while, for a couple of months. And then when you do a theater tour, you you really got to deliver. People are spending more money. Sure. You want Not that you don't deliver the, stakes the are best higher. you can. You want to make them really feel like this is the best night they ever had. And it's groomed. It's a, you it's know, a it's groomed, a strong. It's a waxed. It's, it's, it's totally. <laughs> it's a landing a strip. On the on the floor. Right. It's a what? It's a landing strip. That's exactly what it is. That's the audience. That's how I look at them. Um, so you're alone. You're not a drug guy. You don't. You're not a drinker, right? No, I I will have alcohol now and then. I I'm trying not. Sometimes I'll go dry and right. not drink at all. But then after a show, to have a martini is a nice thing. So, but a martini with an entire cheese pizza to yourself. No, Where are I we do going? Not like pizza. I do not. I am off of bread. I have not been eating bread for a couple of years. Oh, you're so, missing out. Do I know? I'll have a sandwich now and then. Once in a while, if there's a sub somewhere that's crazy, oh yeah, or if I'm in a town, or if I'm in Philly and I don't get a cheesesteak, what am I nuts? Bread's you know? my favorite thing. You see, I try to cut that down, but how can you stay so svelte and not eat bread? I work I mean, out. I eat bread obsessively. You work out obsessively six days a week, an and hour. You, and, at you, least. and when you work out, you're doing an hour of cardio, and then you do muscle stuff. You do. I switch off, so I do like muscle three days a week, and then some cardio, hot yoga, hiking, the whole thing. But that's more for an overall. You do Pilates. Yeah, and it's also to keep me off the old uh, Prozac, which is what the antidepressants. Oh, <laughs> well, it's just that natural endorphin release. I think if I was left with all my neuroses and i had no outlet for it i'd be medicated you go to a therapist oh yeah i just came back i was just there that's why you're so clear i don't know about that i have I a moment a terry and he's just uh we still haven't talked about what you've eaten but i want to hear about okay, the okay so what'll but- happen is i'll i like for example i want it i need beef i'm a beef positive person so gotcha. i try to eat healthy but and i and i do eat a lot of fish right but, uh but i got like a kobe burger on a salad I mean, it sounds... And that's your big That's indulgence. not the main thing. So okay. it keeps going. The problem is I can really intake. That's when I can go up and wait. When right. I can... When I just get, oh, I want that too. You know, it's not like I'm eating my favorite thing, which would be buffalo wings. You know, I used to, after a Beautiful. show, have like, you know, tequila and buffalo wings. And it's the official food of, of comedy clubs, is it, buffalo it wings. It is, but I wouldn't even eat it there. I'd eat it back at the Four Seasons. Smart, Which Better. has the best buffalo wings. I was one time working at a club in Charlotte, staying at a Four Seasons. Okay. I ordered buffalo chicken wings in the middle of the day. It was all I was going to eat. I was like, okay, I'm going to eat bad, but it's just going to be all I'm going to have. Right. So hopefully the fat will eventually leave. <laughs> Dissipate. You know? Right. And as I'm eating, my tooth chips off. Ush. I had a bonded front tooth, which I still do. And it it chipped off, and it's in the wings. And I, I take it out of the wings. And now I'm sitting here with like a little niblet where a tooth was. 
And I decided to just keep eating the wings. You can't leave those wings alone. Yeah. What's what's the diff? It's gone. Right. So I just move all the wings to the left side of the mouth away from the niblet. you got 20 other teeth to take care of those wings. Correct. I finally finish (laughs) up. Then I got to go in the bathroom and you got to wash off because you got a wing on you. Now it looks like when you're cleaning wing juice off on white towels in a hotel bathroom. Sure. That you murdered someone. And you've got a broken tooth. So and looking... the tooth is God knows where, and I'm not saving it because they're not going to glue that back on it because it's it's chipped up uh, uh, bonding, which is not really a cap. And soaked in red hot. It's all it's all red. It's, <laughs> right. it, it is, but it's not. It's orange. I mean, it's not real blood. It's alien blood. Right. So then I called a guy uh, from the club, and he said, "I got a guy for you." I end up in a dentist office, and the guy gets off the golf course, and he's drunk. That's great. And the guy bonds my tooth back on with the wrong color. So then I do two shows that night, and then I end up coming back to L.A., go to a real dentist. This is several years ago, and had a tooth uh, redone again after the incredible chicken wing incident. I would have never known. No. So it was great work. How could you know that? It's beautiful. If if, if it was all orange around it, you'd be able to tell. Your grill is gorgeous now. I wear a grill. uh, I'm going to be a rapper when this is all said and done. It's one thing you haven't done. I did have a rap song. I've been in rap songs, and there was a song uh, called Rolling with Saget because there was a Jamie Kennedy and Stu Stone had this show on MTV like 10, 12 years ago called Blowing Up. Uh-huh. And the whole arc of the whole nine episodes was that they do a Bob Saget rap video. And so it is on iTunes. It is called Rolling with Saget. And Good it's, to know. You know. You're now about to witness the strength of Bob Saget. And then <laughs> the hammer drops, and then the song goes. And it is a song. Sorry, I hiccuped. That was the wings. That was it. Just it, memory of them. You know, I, I've started doing an hour at colleges, and I've done, you know, 15 different colleges. And it's stand-up? It's sort of a, you know, when I got big on social media and whatnot, I started getting these incoming calls saying, would Josh ever want to come and do stand-up? And because it's how I got started, but I haven't done stand-up in 15 years. Cause, but you, you know, did do stand-up. Yeah, it's how I got into the business. And I, I but, you in know. In the business, you were eight. I was, yeah, I was six. And I, uh, you know, I'd talk about the schoolyard and, no, I was. Did you really? I had a, I was 10 years old. I was in New York. And I was looking through Backstage Magazine, which was like the Actors Times. And in the back, there was an advertisement for a kid comedian agent. So I called Sid Gold at Gold Star Entertainment. And he said, well, kid, if you can get a five-minute act together, I have this thing where I sort of peddle young comedians and I can get you on at Caroline's. And I was 10 years old and I did some impressions, made fun of my mom. And I'm sure I got some pity laughs, but more so... I knew I couldn't vamp and I couldn't do any crowd work. So I had like a strong four minutes, like a killer four minutes. And I killed. And then I started doing Conan and I did it on the Rosie O'Donnell show and Catch a Rising Star. Stand up. Yeah. Oh my God. And then moved here and and it was like my weird- Do you still use that as your reel? Yes, I do. (laughs) It's what got me, you know, grandfathered and pretty much everything I have going now. That was such a good show. That show should be on. It should. It should have had a second season just to uh, fix the kinks because you had Dan Fogelman, you had John, who's maybe one of the best people in the world. I love him. I uh, can't help but love him. And people, it, what's great is what a great friend he is. That's yeah. what's great about John. He's a special guy, and and I, I kind of can't. I mean, you guys came up together and have had you know a thirty plus year relationship, but for me, 
you know, the disparity is large, right? Because he's a legend. You guys are. Well, in... I don't know. They call anybody that lives long enough a legend. That's true. If you, you survive, know, he's a legend. No, that's the homeless guy by the by but... the refrigerator <laughs> by the corner. But I'm just this schmuck kid who was on this show, and all of a sudden he was nice enough to take me under his you wing. You weren't a and... schmuck kid. You had a bunch of. You had a big following. I, I mean, you were an asset to the show. I it felt was lucky a, to be a part of it. He was excited when he got you to to be his uh, son that he thought was a bastard. <laughs> right. And he, you know, he's been really good Never to me. Never showed the mom, huh? Did we ever show your mom? Uh, the mom, yeah. It's not Paget. Yeah, it was Paget. Oh, <laughs> it's all right. Okay, I'll get you the box. I was set. on the show. <laughs> yeah, you were on a couple yeah, episodes. Yeah, I had a whole thing with Paget. Yeah, remember that? She's talented. I'd acted with her before. She was on a series. I She's done. so talented. She's great. She's really good. I said if we were together, it'd be Paget Saget. And that didn't just get her no, to... No, it was as quiet a response always. I don't know anyone that likes to spar comedically the way that you do. Like, Oh, that's not true. I feel like... I, I, think, I don't look at it as sparring. I look no, at it I think as it nine-year-old is, riffing, you know? You but just, you... It seems as though there's a part of you that, like, that has to do it. Is, it, is that true? When I'm when I'm this in performance mode, I mean, uh, the uh, the other way to do what we're doing right now is boring. Right. Which is, yeah, you know, I'm really sad about that. And right. The secret to comedy, you know, once you analyze comedy, you've just killed anything funny for an hour. But I've seen... And but this for the opening of this whole podcast was fairly serious. But I think it's so it interesting. If you think so, I we mean, just but started if you trim it, it now. Off, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, we just started now. If you circumcise the front of this uh, <laughs> podcast, I'd be take out anything where I mention anything sad or death. But isn't that fucking interesting? I mean, I've seen. Yeah, like we know Bob is funny. We know who you well, are. Well, we don't know that. Some people don't know that. There are people still that will go. I didn't know you're funny. Because you did that video show and you did that, and that was a comedy show. <laughs> but you can't make a clip show funny. Right. You can't, you cannot go, here's, a, you know, weddings are interesting, here you go. But you created the genre. And I, then, I was the first person that did it. And, and now it had Tosh not existed. and Ridiculousness. I mean, these are all versions of, of, of course, America's of course, Funniest Of course, and they do a lovely job of it. And everybody, I mean, YouTube, there, there was no YouTube for God's sake. Right. So, you know, I always say if you wanted to, I always say, because that's all I say all day long, mm. I always say if you wanted to see a, People get hit in the nut video. You had to go through me. I was the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper of, of the, the nut hit. Of the nut, the nut hit. Yep. And and uh, you know it made people laugh at seven o'clock at night. I remember um, I had been doing the warm up for Bosom Buddies, so I was friends with Tom Hanks. So the show comes on, mm. and it was the premiere, and it was the one at seven o'clock at night that beat a rerun of 60 minutes. And that's when ABC said, let's buy 12 more of these. So we automatically had 13 on the air. And at that time, you they weren't buying a lot of 13s. It wasn't that kind of thing. They would right. either, they would buy a whole 22. I don't know what was going on, but we were in some weird new air. So uh, the show comes on and I go, hi, everybody. Welcome. We, we You've sent in your videos and we're going to run them. Right. And I had, the whole thing was I was on Full House one year. And they sent me a tape of 20 minutes of videos of people falling down and animals doing stuff and little kids doing stuff. And the reason they got those videos was they took ads out in People Magazine and send us, send, they said, send us your VHS tapes. Right. And the public did. And it was the best paid ad for a television series. It can't exist anymore because 
there are no tapes and you could just simply put online send it you know you don't, <laughs> right. people magazine we had we needed a magazine right. they had to take an ad out in a magazine in order to get this show started and so I remember the show comes on it's on for five minutes and uh, to name drop an old friend Tom Hanks calls up and says what is this what is this are you kidding me this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. What is this? Tom said, Hanks, big fan. Uh, well, we, he, we we were, you know, we buddies, you know. Oh, got another ad for the show because we're successful. Did you know that every single episode of Curious is now on Spotify? Yeah. The same app that has millions of songs now also has thousands of podcasts. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite shows. <laughs> you, we all know which is number one. And discover new ones, just not too many because we get jealous. To subscribe to my show, search for Curious, tap follow, and get every new episode delivered to you. Podcasts on Spotify, they're streaming right now and now and now. Back to the show. Now, you have some famous friends. When I think of you, I think famous friends. Well, I'm just a name dropper. You like am. you like famous people. Are they uh, more no, fun? No, no. I like, I'm a talent whore. I'm a whore for you're, talent. You're attracted I like to people, talented people. I, I what are you doing on this podcast? I want to be around people that are creative, that we can talk about stuff. Talk that, shop. Well, or no, do what everybody does. Everybody loves to talk about show business everybody right everybody your bus driver your 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 teacher i mean uh you know everybody people that work with clean coal they want to talk about you know show business do i they? saw that movie do you see that show last night that was a piece of crap i don't know they you know that show sucks oh do you see that movie i like that movie that's a good movie who's starting that? de niro you know it's always the i don't know if that's right anymore i think every i think people talk well now now people are talking about, you see that on the news, well, and then they start arguing about the president, and then they start arguing about the cabinet, and then they start ag arguing about life, and it's all, but I do think coffee, uh, coffee cooler? No, water cooler <laughs> talk. Coffee cooler talk. Coffee, tell me yeah, more. Yeah, lava flow uh, displays. Sounds great. Where people gather around during their office day. So slowly put they their They talk mug. about what was on TV the night before. So someone will say, did you see Stranger Things last night? Someone will sure. say that. Someone will say, did you see Dateline last night? And then you start a whole ruckus. Someone will say, did you see Vice? And someone will say, you see, you watch Vice, man. That's for liberals, you know. Do you see Bill Maher? He's I guess for liberals. Or, dirty libs. You know, did, hey, did you see Fox News last did night? You see and Laura then you got Ingram? nine people. Right. Right. I don't oh even love God. that. Fuck that. Gotta see James Ingram. That's uh, a singer. He sounds good. I think he sang All in the Wings of Love. I might be wrong. It sounds like a I'm banger. not looking it up. But um But I mean I like for me, I love this and I love that the opportunity to get you one on one and really talk and imagine if I had an hour with you and could never talk to you again this is what i'd want it to be and that's, so you want me to die right after this is over you we all make decisions and uh, if you want to cap I this off, off myself you've got this podcast if you really want to help this episode really you know oh this would blow through the roof blow up if it was the last thing i ever did could you imagine 
Yeah, I'd love it. Can you do that for no, me? No, I want to. I need to live to 150. You've by had the an way. incredible career. Why don't you sh- share the no, wealth? No, I'm bit? just getting married this year, and I got three daughters. I got to live to 190. So what do you think about the institution of marriage? Because now you're doing it again. You see, it's bad that they call it an institution because you can't <laughs> really? get out of them normally. There's guards, right. there's nurses, jackets, they drug you. Soft walls. That is how I stay in this house. Right. Is she drugs me and, and keeps me chained to the wall. You too? Yep. Uh-huh. That's how you stay in one. I'm recently You've been married, married how long? Nine months. And she's incredible. Yeah, she's a beauty. Yeah. I don't so know you how would I got not so cheat lucky. on her, for example. If a woman it's came not up part to of you, my ethos. It's not who I am. Because of you because you were heavy? Well, I feel a yeah, lot of people that I, were I feel heavy. very grateful. <laughs> I still can't believe that she's with me. But more so, look, anyone that does any self realization work or any amount of work on themselves realizes that there's no There is no better. Well, it's not that there's no better. Oh, but there is if the person's terrible. There's no punishing God. We all immediately pay for our bad behavior from ourselves because we have to walk with it and carry but that people secret. do believe in a punishing God. The guilty Catholics, the guilty Jewish people, the guilty right. anybody that is extremely uh, orthodox believes you get punished for your actions. But despite, you know, I that I would... punish ourselves for our actions. Right. And despite that I never, ever want to do that to my wife, even more importantly because of how self-obsessed I am, is that I don't want to do that to myself. Well, let's do this because your wife's probably going to listen to this. She's allowed. What actress are you most attracted to that you can say in front of your wife when you're watching a movie and you go oh my god that's Scarlett Johansson or who would it be well first of all and I'm interested to hear your thought because I do and my wife and I kind of have this respect for each other which is I just think this underlying thing I have married friends that'll be like oh that you know whoever that Megan Fox like oh what a babe that would be my hall pass in front of their wives and I'm like you're kind of a douche and like I don't yeah do, to do that like I could say and like that's oh. like the wife going well Jamie Fox and then <laughs> right and then, then you go that's then, a great Fox family yeah Are you, they that's related? a double whammy right <laughs> and so I don't so we, my wife and I don't really do that she knows like I have a thing like I have this uh, I love French actresses like that who like does Marion Cotillard or like these kind of like you just like saying the name I don't know yeah there's something about it. Well, so, when I saw, uh, what's her name, uh, Amelie, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's her name, Benache? Uh, Juliette Binoche? Binoche, thank yeah. you. That's how I say everything. I don't know anything. <laughs> You're allowed. Brioche? Brioche, Juliette Brioche. <laughs> I love a soft-breaded actress. Yeah, well, she created the bun. I love yeast infections. but um, <laughs> Join the club. Oh, my God, that's all I care about. <laughs> when I say that to my fiance, she's not jealous at all. Right. I, I like that. Except unless I would, you know, we learn from life that uh, the the other grass is not uh, greener. And you think by someone being incredibly attractive that that person will be considerate and you will be able to connect with them and you will love each other. Uh, that's uh, based on, you know, oh, my God, did you see that movie and how hot she is in that movie? Uh, you didn't see the stuff in between the trailer when she was in the trailer trying to get the uh, the stink out of her armpits because she's been in a plastic suit all day and then go home and be too tired and exhausted. But that doesn't have anything to do with anything. That but, has to do with <laughs> falling in love with the image of someone or a model or an actress. But which, is, it, is it that? And I've been through a lot of those experiences and, and had a good time for a while but ultimately disappointed. But is it... Is, it's you know what it is? It's the Buffalo Wings after the stand up club. 
it's well that's the best by the way if you get an a than, model than sex. no 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 i'm saying you get a a, a model this is gonna be a give place me the play by play this break it down place i'm gonna break it down you're eating buffalo wings sure and um somehow you've covered her body with blue cheese dressing right or ranch so, well you know i'm not I, here blue, to judge blue, blue cheese blue cheese same because, here well blue cheese you can blue can be spelled a couple different ways so mm. i'm going for you know, I blue cheese all over her is kind of what I'm inferring. Okay. Which, well, you could edit, but I see. I say why? Why? I see no reason. Uh, so, so the idea is you eat a buffalo wing, you dip it on her, and then uh, that you can't even do that in today's society because that's a. But you can only do that if it's something she wants. It's not consenting. She's begging for it. Right. Um, Thanks a lot, Harvey Weinstein. Oh my God! You fucked up our ride. Um, yeah, but- we can't talk about stuff like this in a joking way because it comes off evil and objectifying well, and chauvinistic but i'm not that way i am the the reason that i people go oh he's dirty he talks about like this and that and 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 dehumanizes i i am the least i have three daughters that i look up to that say dad you really shouldn't be saying that or dad can you not mention me in that way um i was on fallon show recently and I was talking about my three daughters who are amazing and brilliant and artists. And they're not kids. They're 31, 28, 25. Right. And my my middle daughter said, I'm working in a new medium. Um, I'm, I said, what is it? She says, I blow glass. And I said, and the punchline, which was a conversation, it just was, well... I'm a comedian, so you have to change vocations. You can't say you blow glass. Right, and, right. I can't wait to meet glass. Right. I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to mold glass. I no, can't wait she, to meet Mr. Glass. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't even go there. I, I just <laughs> right. said you can't say, you know, blow glass can't be Yeah, you said. can't. So she said, you can say it. I said, what if I apologize to you? She said I, she did not give me permission the night before because they live in New York, my two older daughters. Right. Uh, she said, don't say that. Please don't say that. I said, what if I look into camera and apologize to you? And that was our arrangement, and that's what I did. I looked right into camera. How'd it go? It went really well. Yeah. As long as you own your crap and you know that you're doing a nine-year-old pardon the expression peck's bad boy hey because peck's bad boy was an expression from the 40s it would be you know what peck's bad boy was no peck's bad boy you should look it up because it's your name you know that's true although i'm form- bad- formally i was peckerman oh they dejude my rough. name no shit well i was saget and that didn't change but peckerman <laughs> is not saget's easy. not easy either but a peckerman is a man that is Tell interested in the pecker. <laughs> sure, I'm right. a pecker man. And the pecker, is, but uh, that's a song by uh, uh, Pearl Jam. Is it? Yeah. She Eddie thought, She says she uh, belongs with him, can't find a pecker man. It does sound like grunge rock. Yeah, it's, it's uh, they're, they're, uh, they're not even grunge. I don't know what they are. I'm Eddie in- Vedder is kind of a, it's anyway. Grungy. I'm interested though, and tell me this, because I've been, I was recently with my friend who has two kids and. He said, you know, now that you're married and you're going to have kids eventually, your life will change dramatically. Do you want and kids? I do. I really want kids. Do you for, both want kids? Yeah. And I, I, I want kids because I can't wait to see my wife be a mom because I think she'll be so good, which was- You look at her and you picture her and you go, God, you'd be such a beautiful mom. Yeah. And her mom is so beautiful and wonderful. And wait I can't a second. Wait. Let's back this up. Tell me more. So you like her mom? Yes. I'm a big fan. Big fan of the whole family. I like her dad. How do you like that? I'll I've say never, that, honestly. By the way, 
my fiance, I like her mom, and I like her dad. Good sign. We were FaceTiming with them last night. Really? What are the odds of that in my life? I've done that with my in-laws. If I did that with my 22-year-ago ex-in-laws, they would just push the stop button. Really? They would hang up Well, they'd on be me. like, what is this future device that's allowing me to see well, Bob's face me. 25 years ago yeah, while know, we're right? talking? That wouldn't have existed. They wouldn't have wanted to be on camera. But the, her father, uh, my ex-wife's father, told me I never, what do you want to do with your life? I want to be a comedian and a writer and a director. He said, you're never going to do that. You should I... just quit. Yeah, that's not not the great base to he build a relationship on. He talked to my manager, on. Brad, and said when I was opening for Jose Feliciano in Atlantic City in 1980, tried to convince Brad that I should quit show business and go into the tire business because right. I had no talent. And that's the problem for people that are listening. If you want to be in the arts, it is... You know, you watch the Oscars, you watch an award show, and people go, this is to the little girl out there that doesn't think she can make it. You go. You go, girl. You make it. You go all the way. And then that girl goes by that belief of what some movie star told her that just won the Academy Award, and she turns out to be the worst actress in the world. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. It's like maybe Thanks she wasn't lot, serviced. Stone. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes... They, I mean, I used to sit at home watching, I, I remember I was living in Washington, I wasn't living in Washington, I was visiting a cousin in Washington, D.C., and I spent New Year's at nine years old watching Johnny Carson bring in the New Year's, and at that time, Johnny Carson's show was 90 minutes long, so it was on from 11.30 un, until, do the math, till uh, 1 a.m., uh -huh. and it didn't start at 11.35, it was on time. Right, he wasn't and, cheating. Right? And so I went on The Tonight Show, um, first time with Gary Shandling, second time with Johnny Carson. And I told him a story that I was wa on the air, that I was watching him when I was nine years old. And I lit a sparkler while I was watching his show. And he goes, oh, that's, that's very nice. And then I told him a story where he was, I had a real dream, where he was, Johnny Carson was the driver of a limo. And in the back seat were people from show business that your millennials and Gen X might not know, but uh, Buddy Hackett, Buddy Rich, and Buddy Ebsen were in the back seat, and they were famous people. Right. Buddy this Hackett episode, a, people are going to have to look up some names. It's a Google episode. <laughs> it's but a it's, Google. It's okay. I mean, uh, but, but, Buddy Ebsen was in the Beverly Hillbillies. Wait, but he I- He was Jed Clampett. I want to know- Change the subject Because fast. we got- <laughs> Change it. Go and move. Not that Buddy Hackett's not enthralling, but I want to know about- Buddy Rich was a great drummer. How do you feel- I've heard Howard Stern talk about- He has three daughters as well. Yes, talk, I've talked with Howard about it. And there's something to the effect of, and I subscribe to this, where he sort of said, you know, he loves his daughters and they've, they've given him everything in his life and everything that they say about parenthood and fatherhood and what have you. But that radio- was the great love of his life. And had he not succeeded in becoming what he did, that and perhaps- And he did a lot of stuff on there that he wouldn't want his kids to hear, even now. Yeah, and perhaps he would have been unfulfilled. And I, I kind of, and, and I, I, I don't know if I'm projecting, but I see that in you a little bit. And I know it to be true for me that I can't wait to have kids, and I'm, I'm speaking out of turn because I don't have them, but that there will always be this gnawing part of me that if I didn't realize my goals and dreams- 
in entertainment that perhaps I would. I don't know if You'd I would be unhappy. Feel, yeah. You'd be unrequited. Is that? And I'm do the you same feel that? Way. Well, yes. I mean, I I I got married at 26. I I got divorced at 40. We were married 14 years. I can't do the math. So 40. I, I was you. I was you know the secret of life is 42. I was single and lonely and sad. Right. Um, and then started dating people younger than me because everyone seemed to be younger than me. <laughs> um, and I did not set out when I went to film school at Temple University at, to have a wife and kids. That wasn't my dream. I was a kid. Right. I was like, I want to make movies. I, and, and then I started doing stand-up and I started doing improv. So from the time I was 18 to 22... I did all these things that I ended up incorporating all of them as I moved out to L.A. Then I went to film school for three days and quit. Then I worked at the comedy store for 10 years hosting and trying to get a job. And then and then I got in a Richard Pryor movie. And then I got a TV show on CBS. And then I got fired. And, and the career was always incredibly important to me of the arts, of doing everything, of doing acting, writing, directing, stand-up it wasn't like oh, i'm gonna be a stand-up it right was, i'm gonna do all this stuff stand-up wow that seems to be coming easily i think i'll do that um i enjoy doing that wow they're paying me for doing that you know but if i i did not set out to wow all i want is to get married have the white picket fence and have the dream of a lifetime when you get married and you love a person like i'm about to do again for the second time in my life uh, soonish, uh, which is within the year, as soon as all the forms are filled out, you know, tax forms. Sure, um, prenup. Then, uh, I, I didn't say that. Can I bring my mic to the wedding? No, I'm assuming I'm abs- invited, which absolutely. I imagine I'm not, but you know. No, you are. You okay, are. Okay. Well, well, you know, there's a closeness here. Well, but, I feel um, I'm on the ha- level of celebrity that I, I can no, make the list. No, it's not celebrity. <laughs> it, this is not famous people. <laughs> there's going to be a shitload of famous no, people at your wedding, it's Bob. Third, it's her family's coming out really? from Chicago. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. It's probably nice. going to be two-thirds my people, but <laughs> right, they're not well. going to be famous. It's going to be my nephew's the event planner. So That's cute. Although Questlove did volunteer to be the DJ. So. <laughs> well, I mean, how but are you going to turn him down? Well, I don't That'd know. That'd be bad how, form. How's he going to do it? I mean, he's got to do the show. But you got to fly him out. Yeah, I got to do all this stuff. I can't, I can't, I'm not doing a private jet for a wedding. Does he want a private jet? I don't think so. I think he's the nicest man in the world. He's so talented. He'll do JetBlue Mint to your wedding. You would go mint? No, he'll do JetBlue mint to your wedding. Oh, that's what you said? The, yeah, JetBlue first class. I don't know. I, I think it's got to be a better quality. Really? Yeah, it's JetBlue Mint's nice. It is, it is. But this episode's have, brought to you by JetBlue Mint. Oh, is that true? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who brings you this episode? Me. So this just this will be you. This will be iTunes. No, I'm working with a company, but you know your first couple. What out, company is it? Cadence Thirteen. Oh, they're out of jail. I think they are. That's so great. The charges were dropped. I'm and, happy about it. And now, does this go iTunes? It'll go iTunes everywhere where podcasts are available. Got it. Which is everywhere now. Yeah, sure. Except iHeartRadio, which is a different company. No, they they're more you know traditional radio. Right. So you have to cut that out. Yeah, fuck <laughs> That's the only thing you need to cut out. I'll go to traditional radio. I'll pretty much go wherever they're offering me a job. Right. I might go. This is your sixth episode. It's going great. I'm feeling good about it. I feel really. I good would about trim it. the first quarter off, but, but you you're going to so? leave it because it draws people in. I mean, I'll trim some things. What would be I the don't dream? Know what you would trim? I don't know. I don't care if you leave it. I mean, I like live stuff. I like stuff that feels like you're talking with people, and people are listening to it, and they feel like they're part of this conversation. I think that's great. 
And that's I, what it's meant to be. Well, that's how Howard did it. There would be no podcast if Howard had not done radio the way he did it. He really so did true. change it. No matter what people's opinion of him is, and his fans are, you know, bloodthirsty, love him, worship him. I'm fans. one of them, right? And there are other people that go. That's not my kind of thing, which is the same thing that people do about my comedy sometimes. And do you find it's mostly a snap judgment that they heard one thing? No, once? I think I think it's you go back in time and uh, maybe you watch something I did years ago that was in poor taste, or you watch something he did when he was on the E Channel and when his show was at its peak, and he would have porn people in. You know, it's that right. kind of thing. Porn people are people too. They well, they're they're in politics now. Apparently, yeah. I Ms. mean, Daniels. the first lady could be, uh, you never know. <laughs> right. That'd be a stormy White House. She's uh, fantastic. Did you watch the 60 Minutes thing? I did. I did. Uh, you know. I, I didn't. Uh, well, it is. it is. We are where we're at. You know, this isn't happy birthday, Mr. President. You know, but it's. Well, there's a lot of stuff there. What I can't stand is all the CNN things that I think are going to tell me about the Kennedys. They're going to tell me about all these a different... big secrets coming. But I just don't like reenactments. As well, soon as you take comes. an actor and pretend that's John Kennedy sitting at a desk, I flip the channel. I don't want to see an out of work actor being off camera as a stand in playing JFK. I, it, you know, it's just it's just dumb. Right. So don't give me reenactments on a news station. News should be news. Don't act it. If you want to make hard copy, then go make that on another network and sell it somewhere. I, 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 I'm desperate for just real news. But do you think of this, the stormy thing? Like, I just felt like the biggest winner in all of that was 60 Minutes because of the killer ratings. Because inevitably... And Anderson, because it shows that he can hop from network to network and be one of our uh, broadcasters of our time at the moment. He's Whether great. You lo yeah. I love him. But like... The I'm whole... not saying, you know, I, I, I do think he's great, but I mean... But what's new? Did we learn anything new? No. Because we sort of always Well, everything assumed... that's unfolded afterward has kind of unraveled some of it because she was sitting higher when she did that than she is at the moment they know the guy that they voted for i don't think this is any new information no it doesn't hurt him so then what are we wasting his, our his time for well it's all it's why was to keep the circus to, going to go really sad and negative why was um casey anthony on television and on cnn why are people watching it 24 7 i couldn't watch it People were, I would come into a room People and, were obsessed. and it was, they were obsessed with it. Why? Why? It's the worst thing on the earth. Right. It's the unconscionable. It's what, why would people be obsessed with it? Why are people obsessed with all these death shows of let's investigate the murder of, I can't watch Dateline. I don't want to see how some innocent person was murdered. Right. But, but when something terrible happens, like it did in Florida, like it did in, in Charlotte, when these things happen, when horrible things happen on the earth, I do need to know about it because as a human being, I want to put my energy out in the world that counteracts it in some way and makes me more conscious and more sensitive to it. Right. Because you don't realize when you're going to say something, especially if you're a performer and especially if you're a comedic performer and you get on stage and if you don't know what happened, you're a fool. You have to know what's going on so you don't accidentally do something that hurts someone because so many people have been 
I mean, people are people are dying. I mean, it, and 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 it's getting uh, it's getting to a point where it's hard to find relief in humor. So, if you can do that, then you're really giving people a gift. There's something very medicinal in in getting people out of their homes, not being afraid to be out of their homes, getting them a collective group and entertaining them. I mean, that's like a I look at that as something really special. I'm real proud of myself that I get to go out there and and they laugh and they have fun and they go home and then they pass out on each other and throw up because that's normally what's happened. That's it. That was Bob. That was me. That was us. That was we. Thank you for listening to The Curious Podcast. I hope you have an incredible week with ups and downs and in-betweens, mostly the in-betweens, right? Because we're just, the ups, the downs, they're all the same. They're fleeting. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm shooting for the middle. Yeah. How enlightened am I? I'll answer that very. Oh, man. Anyway, guys, have a great week. Thank you for listening. Bye.